Hey, I'm Sophie. And I'm Sophia. And this is the That Showbiz Baby podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Um, This week, we have something really exciting. Um, As some of you probably know, Sophia and I worked on a show. We threw a virtual show called Bummerfest um, about a month back already, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, I know. Time is flying. (laughs) But it was a really cool experience, and we wanted to do an episode that was kind of a deep dive into the behind the scenes of Bummerfest and let you guys know um, what we worked on and what we did with the show. So to start, we can chat a little bit about how we came up with Bummerfest and the concept for the show. Yeah, so everyone, picture this, okay? It's October 2020. Everything's pretty depressing. We're in a meeting about another show. We have no money. It has to be virtual. Everything is what? Yes, a bummer. So Sophie and I (laughs) were in this Zoom meeting and we were texting each other. And the concept just kind of came to us of like, you know what? They should call this bummer fest because that's what it seems like. And then we're like, wait, hold up. That is a great idea. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) That's kind of fun. Let's just do it. Um, We didn't know how much work it was going to be, but we decided to send it. We had six artists in our lineup, all USC artists or one USC alum. We had an all USC team, um, student team. It was honestly an incredible experience. So now we are going to break it down for you all. Yeah. So we're going to go through and kind of touch on each main aspect of the show that we worked on. So kind of all of those production elements that came together to make it happen. Um, So I'm going to kick us off and talk a little bit more about the artists. So this was a big part of the planning process um, and really factored into, you know, even just designing Bummerfest and the concept. Um, We knew we kind of wanted to embrace the bummer of the COVID situation and We knew our show was probably going to be happening coming up on the one-year anniversary of USC shutting down. So we wanted to kind of take those sad vibes and make it into an event that would make people smile. And that really guided us as we were booking our artists. We were looking for artists who were not like super, like, yay, super happy. This is great. But, you know, also not artists who were just like super sad and slow because we didn't want to make people more sad. (laughs) So... Yeah, we were looking, um, as we described in our pitch deck, for a vibe that was just sad enough to cry, but hype enough to make you dance through the tears. So that guided us as we were booking our artists. And we went for kind of a mix of genres that could still come together and be one cohesive show. And so we ended up having eight artist meetings. So we uh, um, were having Zoom meetings And this, I think, was a big step up from any show that we had done in the past. We really wanted to do, I guess, you know, kind of in-person meetings so that we could present the show and really sell people on what a cool idea it was, Um, as opposed to just sending over a text and some slides. We wanted to be able to have that in-person interaction. So, yeah, we started having those meetings um, in the end of January, And they went really well. I think it, you know, showed that that was a really good idea to do the in-person meetings. People really liked the idea. I think they liked being able to meet with us and ask their questions. And it was just a really good format. And we ended up having eight of those artist meetings. And 
therefore, we ended up getting six yeses and two noes for the show. So I think that's a pretty good ratio, um, personally. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Our final lineup ended up being Gusby, Amir Kelly, Lizzie Cameron, Ella Collier, Tippi Ballady, and Walkabout. Um, And I just want to give a little shout out to the people who played in the bands, too, because we worked with so many incredible people, both on the artist side and on the production side. And we want to make sure that we give them credit during this episode. So we had Matt Sukert, Jack Severino, Eliza P. I'm sorry, I'm not even going to try. (laughs) Sorry, Eliza. (laughs) And then we had Johnny May, Eli Bramnick, Jack Matra. Maverick Fabella, um, Eliza P. again in Tippy's band, which was awesome, um, Dominic Anzalone, and then we had Liza K., Jack Severino once again, and Matt Sukert once again. So we had some repeat band members, which was really nice. Thank you guys for contributing that time. And knowing that we were going to be working with a lot of artists and also a lot of band members definitely played into how we organized, you know, like COVID safety. So we did cap the bands. Um, We told artists that they could bring a maximum of three additional people just so we could keep things, you know, from getting too crazy and too big and we, so that we could manage the numbers of people who are going to be there on the recording days. And to finish us off, I wanted to introduce a few people who worked with us um, who are going to give a little statement about what they did um, for Bummerfest and what were their favorite parts. So first, we have Lizzie Cameron. So Lizzie, take it away. Hey guys, what's up? My name is Lizzie Cameron. I was lucky enough to be a part of Bummerfest 2021. So for Bummerfest, I was one of the artists in the lineup, which was super exciting. The first time I'd played a show in, well, over a year, which was really awesome. Um, So I did like a five song set of original music and uh, accompanied myself on piano. So I spent a lot of time in the weeks leading up to the show, just preparing getting my set list down, running through it, you know, like multiple times a day or a week or whatever. And, you know, thinking about what I wanted to say in between each song and why I was playing the songs I was playing and everything. So, and then showed up to set and recorded it in one take. And it was so much fun. The crew and Sophie and Sophia are just incredible and so professional and so organized which I really really appreciated my favorite moment from the whole process honestly probably just the day we recorded the set um I drove up to LA and it was on this beautiful like ranch farm deal with horses and Like I said, just I can't emphasize enough how incredible the entire crew was. Everyone was so supportive and cheering me on and making sure I was comfortable and felt good about everything. Um, And it was just so much fun. I I didn't know pretty much anyone other than Sophie and Sophia and finally getting to meet everyone in person and be really safe. And they took COVID restrictions really seriously. It was just awesome. It was such a fun experience. Genuinely one of the most fun things I've done. Um, what did I learn from working on the show? I think I learned, I think I learned that 
these things come together and look so beautiful and you know are so easy to watch at the end of all of it but there really is so much work and time and effort that goes into putting these things together it's not as easy as they made it look um which is just so impressive and again it was so much fun and it is so much hard work but it's truly a skill I feel like to keep things fun the entire time even if you're you know stressed out or running behind or whatever just still making everyone feel comfortable and supported and loved and having fun throughout the whole experience um isn't easy and it's definitely a skill that Sophie and Sophia have down and the entire crew um so yeah it was an incredible thing to be a part of and I'm so so glad that I did it and I hope it's not the last bummer fest and we also have Matt Sukert, who is going to be giving us the band perspective as someone who played in two of the bands for the show. So here's a little statement from Matt. Hi, this is Matt Sukert for Bummerfest. So to answer the question, what did you do for Bummerfest and how did you prepare? Um, so my role in Bummerfest, I was an instrumentalist for two different groups that performed. I played with Gusby. And I also play with Walkabout. So for both of those groups, what we did was uh, probably like two weeks to a month in advance. We would all get together. Um, set lists were sent out to the band. The band learned the parts for the songs. And then we got together probably three or four times for each, each act and uh, just did like two-hour rehearsals each. So probably like six to eight hours of rehearsals went into it on top of the time spent learning the parts for the songs um so i played drums for both of those guys so yeah um it's really fun love their music super glad to be a part of it um but yeah we just learned the songs rehearsed and then we showed up um my favorite moment from the production process i would have to say probably Oh, I thought the location was really cool. And also, like, I really like the team of people that were working on Bummerfest. You guys are super dope. Um, so the location was definitely cool, like, seeing the horses run around in the background. Um, I also just really enjoyed actually doing the shoot just because, you know, COVID, like, haven't really been able to play that many shows. I was playing a decent amount of shows with different artists and stuff. Like, before COVID, I was probably playing the most I'd ever played out before, like, last end of last February um so it was I don't know it was nice to be able to play even if it wasn't for like a massive crowd it was you know playing for the crew and playing in a cool space that was super dope just because I haven't been able to do that in a minute um so that that was that was awesome uh favorite moment from the production I just answered that one <laughs> what did you learn from working on the show um I learned that the best approach to have when working with a larger production or working on a larger produ production is just to kind of you know be punctual go for the flow go with the flow um and show it prepared you know I mean just showed up prepared so that was great I felt good about that um I, th I think we were punctual I think I think Gosby might have been a little bit late but you I think it was it worked out um because you guys were Still setting up a tent or something, so it was chill. Um, 
don't know. Also, I mean, these are all kind of things I've already kind of known just by being in the pop program and they teach you all this stuff. But like, just be nice to everyone. That's another thing. Because you never know like when you're going to see people again and work with people again. So it's always good to never really burn any bridges and just be super friendly and super energetic and excited about what you're there to do. So yeah, it was great. I had a good time. Um, thanks for having me. Thanks for asking me these questions and hopefully we can work on some other stuff soon. Thanks guys. Wow. Thank you, Matt and Lizzie for sharing your experience with Bummerfest. We hope you had a good time. We really appreciate you. And now I'm going to touch on the film part and the set creation. So we don't, or we haven't had a lot of experience in the past with film, but obviously with a virtual concert, you really got to dig into that. So we had the incredible opportunity to work with John Joey and Kian Broder-Wang, who do the digital work for USC Concerts Committee and are just genuinely so talented and kind. We're so happy they worked with us and they liked the vision of the event and agreed to help us. So those two rolled up with their really nice cameras and shot all of the video you saw for Bummerfest. Well, except the credit scenes, which were shot by me. And you can tell that because they're bad. <laughs> and then... Hey, it's it's for the vibe. Exactly. Okay? It was bad on purpose, okay? And then John Joey edited the entire thing. Bummerfest even killed his laptop. So let's all pour one out for John. <laughs> and unfortunately, I can't touch on a lot of technical things that they did behind the scenes, but know that it was a ton of work and they were incredible. Um, but they had two different cameras at different angles. Kian was holding it handheld the whole time. So I'm sure he's really buff after Bummerfest and they made it look magical. So shout out to the two of them. And then also on our film team was the talented Vivian Gray, who was the visionary behind the production design and who also edited our promotional video, our TikTok, and the intro video that explains the vision behind Bummerfest and our outro credit scene. So she spent a lot of time on After Effects doing some animation for us. We really appreciate it. It looked so good. And you can see the intro video if you missed it on our Instagram. But I can tell you that we spent days in our backyard, me and Vivian, sawing and painting pieces of plywood into colorful amoeba shapes that tied in our bright color scheme to the natural background of the ranch. So a lot of time and physical labor was put into those platforms. Um, you didn't see them very often, but I'm still happy they were there. <laughs> And overall, we're just immensely grateful that the three of these, uh, that these three dedicated their time to the project. Um, and let's hear from Vivian Gray about her time working at Bummerfest. Hi, everybody. My name is Vivian. I'm a part of the Bummerfest film crew. I drove a lot of places, specifically North Hollywood. It was an honor. I uh, reflected the sun onto our incredible artists and accidentally onto many of our film crew. My apologies. I um, also edited a few things you see in the final version of Bummerfest. And my favorite moment was seeing so many badass, talented, just genius people as soon as they finished a shot or set or what have you, lunch, they would just go over and to the field and watch the horses run, which was incredibly endearing and hilarious to me. 
and it's the only way I prefer to work from now on. And I learned many things. I learned how to, you know, create a camera in After Effects. But I think for me, what was most important was the reminder of how important it is to have a team that you love and trust and work well together with because it fosters such a safe space for ideas and just beautiful moments to happen and I feel like we can lose track of that so easily so that was definitely something just to, that was important to me throughout the whole process and yeah cheers thank you for having me Next, I'm going to touch on um, the venue aspect of producing Bummerfest. So unlike a normal, you know, like typical in-person show, we had to kind of coordinate two venues. We had the actual filming location and then we needed a platform where we could stream the final product. So first of all, we were looking for a filming location. We knew we wanted to do something outdoors to help with the COVID safety aspect um, and also just for the vibe and the ambiance in general. So we started scouting locations, first just looking online, seeing what we could find, and we only ended up doing one in-person location scout, which was at Shadow Hills Ranch, which is a really cool ranch in the Sunland, California area. Um, And we had a great experience there. Um, We knew when we saw it that it was something we could work with, and so we just went ahead and sent it. And when we were touring that, we definitely had some considerations in mind, like making sure we had enough power. Um, that's definitely something that's important in outdoor locations and, you know, not always super reliable. So we needed to know that they had, you know, outlets and the capability to power all of the equipment that we needed powered, as well as just working with natural lighting and adapting to that. That really influenced the times of day that we were shooting and the times that we were booking the ranch. And then also just taking noise into consideration. Um, That was something we knew was going to be a little bit tougher in an outdoor location. But it turned out pretty well, (laughs) minus this horse water fountain (laughs) that was really close to one of our shooting locations. The horses could come up and, like, get a little drink from this bucket. And it, like, screamed. It was Um, so loud. So (laughs) that was an unexpected twist. But it was very fun. And like I said, it was a ranch. And so there were horses, which was awesome. I think people really loved being able to see them when they came. And, you know, they also were featured in the video quite a few times. So we were happy about that. So, yeah, we definitely really liked how Shadow Hills Ranch turned out. Shout out to them. They do a lot of event booking. So if you ever need a cool ranch location, I would definitely recommend them. And so, yeah, they were really accommodating. It was a family place, and we worked with two sisters who helped us get everything we needed. And it worked really well and looked beautiful, as you can tell from the film. On the other hand, we had to find a streaming platform for the show. So we, right off the bat, were working with Moment House. We knew that we didn't want to use YouTube. That was kind of our last resort. Um, Just didn't love how limited the interactions were there so we wanted an alternative and we had known some people who worked with moment house so we checked out their platform and it was really great so we worked with one of their staff and he yeah just was in close contact with us and helped us set up everything we needed on the back end Um, and so we did a lot of work just in the website you know putting in descriptions putting in ticket prices putting in times putting in um, merch we had to enter all of those so they could be sold during the show so 
We did do work on the back end in the Moment House website, and the platform was really great if you were there during the show. Um, I hope you had a great experience, but we both thought it was really cool how um, the chat was really popping off. There was a ton of engagement. People could donate and give tips in the chat, which really helped us um, as a small, you know, independent (laughs) production group. And so that went really well, and I would also recommend Moment House if you are looking to do a virtual show. Next, I'm going to touch on photography. So we decided for this show to have a dedicated photographer that was there on both days of the shoot. And we ended up going with Sophie's good friend and my new friend, Dane Holstein, (laughs) who stepped up to help us out. He got some amazing shots that we loved and that the artists loved. He was great. So now let's hear a little bit from him. Howdy, my name is Dane Holstein. I was the behind the scenes photographer and production assistant for Bummerfest. My main responsibilities were to take photographs of all the performers and just the set in general. Uh, when I wasn't doing that, I was helping the production crew with set, like setup and takedown, and just general advice on lighting angles, that sort of thing. Uh, my favorite moment in the production process is definitely getting to take all the performers' photos like towards the end of their set. It's really cool to see how each person kind of reacts differently. Like Some people wanted to pack up first. Some people uh, want to take the photos right where they were. Some people want to take photos with the horses, you know, that kind of thing. And it's always just neat to see how people are unique in that way and kind of what photos they want. I learned... Um, how much I love just being on set with people, especially people I know that will do a fantastic job. Uh, I used to really hate being on set and I found it exhausting to talk to people constantly, but Butterfest showed me that I actually really love it. I really miss and adore working alongside people and getting to know them while working on something directly. Um, You know, it's really cool to be able to laugh and chat and whatever while still like actually making something. Um, it was also just really cool to work on a concert, which was something I'd never done before and hopefully we'll get to do live sometime soon. Okay. Thank you, Dane. Always a pleasure. Now I'm going to touch on sound. So, you know, sound and film were kind of the two biggest components of the show It was initially a pretty big stressor for us because it involves a lot of equipment. We don't really know how to do it. And it's pretty hard to have a good show without good um, sound quality. So we found our team, Charlie Halleck, Frank Lookinland, and Langdon Dearborn through our professor, Brian Maloof, who recommended them to us. And I'm so glad he did because it sounded incredible. For the equipment, we pooled equipment from the three of them, as well as what the artists had in terms of amps and instruments. And then the rest we got from the great people at Hollywood Sound Systems, who really helped us out last minute. Um, Side note, I made a lot of trips to North Hollywood for Bummerfest. Um, Apparently, it's the place to be for equipment. For equipment rentals. Yeah. And it just (laughs) ended up sounding incredible. It was impossible to tell that it was outside. Some people were like, wow, this sounds studio quality, and I have to agree. They really killed it. So for sound, let's hear from Charlie Halleck on his experience. All right. These are my answers. So number one, what did I do for Bummerfest? I was one of the live sound engineers for Bummerfest. I 
basically set up and tore down all of the recording equipment uh, that was involved with each set. And basically the, the main job for me was to make sure that uh, we got the best recordings of each band and artists uh, as best as we could um, with, the environment, with the environment that we were given. So we had to, me and my two other uh, live sound engineers had to figure out the best ways to record um, everyone in, in a horse stable. So uh, there were some difficulties with that. Um, but those were my main responsibilities. Um, number two, the best part about Bummerfest was able to see, I'm a first year at USC, so my favorite part at Bummerfest was seeing the diversity of musicians that USC has to offer. As a first year, I haven't been exposed too much to the music scene at USC, and that's partially due to COVID. So it was awesome um, being able to record uh, all of these bands and artists who I've never heard of before um, and kind of being absorbed into this world of, of USC music. Um, so it was cool seeing the, the different uh, types of genres that that. USC has to offer and I mean my god like everyone was incredibly talented so it was more than a pleasure to be able to record uh, every set and then the third question what did I learn I learned oh wow my voice just cried um, I learned from Bummerfest that I, I guess it's not really much of like a new thing that I learned but I think it's solidified in my mind that um, to do to do any kind of to put on any kind of concert, it takes a team, um, and not just a team, but but a group of people that can work together pretty cohesively. And there were definitely some constraints uh, for Bummerfest, uh, also time constraints during the recordings. And I think that if we didn't have as good of a team as we did. Um, it might not have gone well. I have no idea. So I'm, I'm very thankful that, that um, us engineers, we were able to work very cohesively with, with everyone else on set. Um, because without that, uh, without that cohesion, there would have definitely been, there would have been more time lost and who knows what uh, could have happened. So I'm very thankful that we all got together very well and um, worked pretty efficiently. So yeah, I learned that teamwork matters and um, time is incredibly important. So, yeah. So thank you, Charlie, for that. And then the other side of sound was the mixing and mastering component. So once we got the live sound, uh, we had a team, Langdon Dearborn again. Thank you for being on both teams. And then we also had Jackson Elwright and Max Iwamasa on the team, who we met through music industry program connections, especially freshman year. So shout out to the three of them. They did an incredible job taking it and still preserving the live sound 
sound, but just making sure that all the levels were correct and kind of, you know, jazzing it up a little bit for the audience. So for mixing and mastering, let's hear from Langdon Dearborn. Hey guys, my name's Langdon Dearborn. I'm a music production major at USC. I was a live sound engineer for Bummerfest, as well as the mix engineer for the Gusby and Ella Collier sets. It was ridiculously fun getting to work with and record these artists, and when I got the tracks into the studio, I got an opportunity to bring out the live magic of these wonderful performers. Taking tracks and doing mixing in post allowed me to have a lot more freedom with effects and a lot more mix precision in general. I remember specifically really loving the touch of sub-bass I threw in for some of Ella's songs to make them hit just a little harder. I also got to drench her voice in delay for chaos and really space out some of Gusby's breakdown sections to really feel the groove. But after all that, I'd say my favorite moment was hearing back from the artists about how they loved the mixes. It made me feel like the creative touches I put into them contributed to the performance, and that even though I wasn't on stage with them, I got to be a part of the group effort to have an awesome show. I did learn that it's especially great to have people as on top of it as Sophie and Sophia are running things. That made a big difference and let me and the other sound people really get to focus on our jobs and get everything recorded well. I also got to reach out to some of my professors and classmates about live mixing techniques and threw some of those in, which ended up helping get the recordings that extra 5% before sending them off. Again, my name's Langdon Dearborn, and thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Langdon. Yeah, the sound guys were definitely incredible. We could not have done this without them. It's like magic to me, the work that they're Mm -hmm. able to do, um, both on the live side and also the mixing and mastering it just made it sound so incredible so yes extra shout out to those guys and next i'm going to talk about marketing so this is kind of a big one you know there's a lot of marketing that goes into making people show up to an online show in a time where you know the market is just flooded with other opportunities and distractions and so first i just wanted to shout out luke greenwood and kitty wong Um, The two of them were our graphic designers, and they were just so incredible. We were able to explain our vision to them and work with them to come up with logos and posters and um, just design elements that were so incredible and just exactly how Sophia and I had pictured them in our head. Um, So thank you to those guys. Um, And yeah, the two of them really helped, especially Kitty, with our marketing assets. So Kitty made posters for us, both individual posters for each artist, and then also a um, overall event poster that combined some elements that Luke had designed. So those were incredible and really helped us promote our show and, you know, just have this cool branded look. Um, And I'm going to dive a little bit more into the overall marketing campaign, um, which was led primarily on Instagram. So this is a little walkthrough through a rough timeline of what and when we posted. So we started by dropping a few teasers on our Instagram story about three weeks out from the show date just to pique people's interest and to let them know that we had something that was coming. Um, We used pictures taken from the event or from the film days, which had happened already, that didn't reveal any artists to give people a sneak peek. Then we moved into announcing the show and our lineup about two and a half weeks out from the show. Um, We wanted to build some hype around the event and our awesome lineup, so we chose to announce one artist per day to slowly reveal who we had on the lineup. 
So this is where we use those graphics that Kitty made, which were so cool. Um, they all looked the same and then just featured a different artist. So we posted one a day and we started with Gusby and then posted Amir Kelly, then Lizzie Cameron, then Ella Collier, then Tippy Ballady, then Walkabout. Um, we made sure to tag our artist designers and the artist band members in each post so that they would be notified and then prompted to reshare. Um, and then at the end of this lineup announcement, we posted our full poster, which was so cool. Um, it's the pink poster with the Bummerfest woman on it. I um, love it. So thank you, Kitty and Luke. That was such a cool asset. And then we moved into posting videos and running a few giveaways. So we posted a teaser video for the show, which got a ton of engagement um, and reshares and did really well. I think it really showed people the quality of event that we were producing because prior to that, people didn't really know, you know, what final product to expect. And so seeing something with just incredible high quality film and sound, um, I think just really got people excited. Um, so that was awesome. Like I said, we were able to do two giveaways. So we partnered with Victory Housing. Um, they're a housing company here by USC. And they gave us some giveaway items and we kind of pulled in with them and threw in a few things of our own, um, like Bummerfest merch. And that was a really fun way to build engagement too. We had people like, and then they could comment people um, in the, yeah, comment friends in the comments to enter. And that really helped, you know, just by tagging friends that just builds eyes on what we're doing and gets more people engaged. Um, so that was really fun. And we had two winners. So that was exciting just to engage and interact with people in that way. And then the last thing we did was we posted videos from each artist. So we posted an actual clip from each of their sets with the real sound from the real sound from the set as opposed to like a track in the back of it. And that was really cool. We gave each artist their own post so that they could have, you know, their moment to shine. And like I said, in all of these posts, we made sure to tag all of the artists, um, the production crew that was involved in the clips, all of the band members, as well as texting the people who were involved to reshare because we knew and had seen before that having the most people reshare um, assets that you, that you can really just gives this gives the event more importance and helps it stick in people's minds if they're seeing it in multiple places. So in everything we were posting, we were asking people to reshare. Felt annoying sometimes, but I think it was worth <laughs> it because we did have a really strong social media presence. And I think that really gave our event a lot of credit and just brought it to the forefront of a lot of people's minds when it was something that could have easily, you know, slipped through the cracks. So um, that was really great. We also made sure to utilize the Instagram story a lot. That feature, we reposted photos and videos that our artists posted. Um, we posted our own pictures. We posted merch, just a lot of things to keep people engaged in a little more casual way. We also started a TikTok, which is exciting. <laughs> um, so that was kind of like a new fun adventure for us. And we also used a lot of word of mouth word of mouth marketing, which I think was really helpful, especially as we got to kind of the Thursday, Friday before the show, the Saturday of the show. Um, we just made sure to text our friends who hadn't bought a ticket, ask our artists to text their friends and family, um, just kind, kind of going through the contact list and asking people and texting them directly. Because a lot of times when you have that direct engagement with people, that's the, that's the thing that kind of pushes them to actually, you know, go to the website and buy a ticket. So... I think that helped a lot. 
And yeah, we're going to continue now that Bummerfest is over, posting little bits and pieces from the show just so people can be reminded and we can, you know, showcase the really awesome content on our feed. So we posted one thing already, which was our intro video that Sophia mentioned earlier, which is definitely one of both of our favorite parts of the show. So definitely go check that video out at our Instagram. It's yeah, just such a cool video and really showcases like the story of Bummerfest, I think, in a way that um, is kind of hard to describe in words. So, Truly. yeah, I would say we implemented a lot of good strategies in our marketing campaign. It went really well. Um, our Instagram definitely grew both in followers and in overall reach during this marketing campaign. Um, we saw a huge following increase and we also saw a really huge increase in the 30 days kind of surrounding before and after the show. We actually had a plus 153,900% increase in content content interactions. So that was a really exciting number to see, just that we had, you know, been engaging people so much more and that our marketing efforts were really reaching a large community of people. And, you know, even if they didn't all buy a ticket to the show, I would still consider that a success because we're building our brand in people's minds and having a really high quality show under our belt like Bummerfest builds credibility for what we're doing. So even if people did not buy a show or buy a ticket to this show, Maybe they will in the future. Exactly. So, good stuff. And I'm going to transition right off of that into PR, which was another um, aspect of our promotional campaign for Bummerfest. So we were contacting news sources, um, Instagrams, just people we could partner with who could get out the story about Bummerfest and the news that this show was coming up. We were interested in looking for both opportunities to share, you know, like before the show to promote the show that was coming up. And then also afterwards, um, we were definitely open to anyone coming to the show and writing up a review. Those were kind of the two aspects that we were pursuing and yeah, overall, we were really trying to further promote our show and then, like I said, increase credibility. Um, even if people weren't coming to the show or they saw an article written up after the show, that just further builds our brand and gets people aware of what we're doing here at Sophia Productions. Um, and some of the highlights were we did an interview with a writer in Denver. Um, and he, yes, that was so fun. I think that was a really cool experience for both of us because, you know, we actually got to do an interview and talk about what we had made and it was a really cool chance for us to just share a little bit with someone about what we were working on so he wrote up an article on us and that was in the denver westward mag which was really exciting and also got shared around in a few other denver area news sources so shout out sophia our denver queen thank you also um, we were named the best named um virtual festival ever so that's all i'm saying yes that was our <laughs> That was our <laughs> prize? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, that was super exciting. And, you know, being a virtual show, we were looking for opportunities anywhere to share the word since it didn't matter. Like, people didn't have to be in L.A. to tune in. Um, so that's why, you know, we threw the hometowns in there. We also had a feature in Do LA. We were put on their list of top digital events and live streams this week. So that was really cool to see. Um, we also had a feature on the USC music industry page, which was really fun. Um, we got to give a little quote about our work with Sophia Productions on the podcast and just the music industry program in general. Um, and they also gave a shout out to Bummerfest. So that was exciting. We got to reach the music industry community that way. 
We also emailed a lot of professors and asked them to share a little statement and link to buy tickets in their classes. So that was a great way to both connect with our professors and let them know what we were doing and then also share the word around to more students who are in our area of interest. So overall, it was a really fun process. Um, and we did have the lovely Amanda Sanchez on our PR team. She helped a lot with just communication and sending out press releases and things of that sort. So here's a little statement from Amanda about the work she did. Hi, my name is Amanda Sanchez, and I did a bit of PR work for Bummerfest. So basically, I would reach out to publications from around LA and USC and, and wherever, telling them about Bummerfest and seeing if they would write a bit about it um, and put it up on their sites so that more people in the industry and just people in general could see um, and so that we could get as much outside audience as we could to, to come to the event. My favorite moments, though, were definitely when people reached back out to us and um, told us that what we were doing was cool or that they showed interest or would like to attend the event. It was always a nice moment to see that people were interested and cared. Um, but how not having to do with what I did, um, I live with Sophie. So it was always really nice to see her um, right before she left to go film or coming home from filming and, and seeing how excited she was either to go do it or, or to show us what she had worked on that day and just really seeing her in, in her element and, um, you know, doing what she's passionate about. It was really fun. I definitely learned that, you know, putting yourself out there like this is not easy. Um, and when people don't reach back out and or reply or, you know, aren't interested, that it's it's not something like to take personally. It's just kind of the industry and that, you know, putting yourself out there in the first place is enough <laughs> and shows that, you know, you're trying and stuff. I definitely also learned a bit about time management um, because I, you know, threw this on top of many other things that I do and gladly I, I had such a great time, but definitely learned um, to get things to get things done um, at, a, at a scheduled pace. But yeah, it was it was a great time working on it. I hope to work with them again. Yeah, thank you so much, Amanda, for your help. You were great. Now I'm going to move on to merch, which was a wild experience because neither of us had ever done merch before, so we were really learning as we were doing it. For the designs, we worked, again, with Kitty and Luke, and Luke designed the Bummer Woman and the sweatpants design, and Kitty did the logo that we ended up printing on some merch. And then, also side note, Luke made the animated countdown transitions that were shown during the fest, and Luke was a really huge help with those amazing visuals so shout out to them and we all decided to sell hoodies t-shirts sweatpants tote bags and stickers that we ended up having to source from different places based on our needs so that was a joy and we sold the merch before the event on a square website that we built that was super easy it was free there was no like setup fee but they did take a small percentage of our proceeds um, for using their platform and then we also sold merch during the event on moment house 
Then after the event was completed and we had all of our orders, we shipped all of the merch to my house and then we packed it up in these cute pink compostable mailers and sent them out to everyone. So I hope everyone that bought some enjoyed their merch. I also definitely purchased one of every merch item and I live in them. I'm wearing one right now. I, I'm a big fan. Yes. And <laughs> speaking of that, Due to some demand we've been receiving, you know, people getting jealous of their friends with their cool Bummerfest merch, we actually decided to open up a second round of merch ordering. So you can find more info on that on our Instagram, but you can also just visit bummerfest.square.site to shop. But enough of me talking, let's hear from one of our designers, Luke Greenwood. Hey, my name is Luke Greenwood, and I illustrated the Bummer Woman, designed our sweatpants, and made some of the motion graphics for our live stream. Um, so Sophie and Sophia reached out to me in December about uh, needing some graphics for Bummerfest, which at that point was still in its planning stages. And uh, they sent me over this mood board with these uh, kind of bold and chunky designs and uh, this wonderful illustration by an artist named Arabella Proffer. Uh, that ended up becoming what the Bummer Woman would be based on. And so I sent my own mood boards back uh, for uh, the Bummer Woman design with everything from Sonic Youth to Playboy Magazine, uh, even Hattie Stewart, Roy Lichtenstein, Calvin and Hobbes, a, a bunch of stuff that didn't end up making it, um, but just to narrow down what we wanted for uh, the look of the festival. And uh, after that, I started illustrating. And so usually what I do is I make a kind of image collage uh, using just real world photos to trace over because I am not that good at drawing. <laughs> and so um, or the first draft of the Bummer Woman was actually uh, based on Ramona Flowers' face from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World <laughs> and uh, a collage of a bunch of other stuff. And so um, I sent back a bunch of drafts back and forth with them. And uh, then that's what ended up becoming the Bubber Woman design. So um, for the sweatpants that I did, uh, Sophia and Sophie had a super clear idea of what they wanted. So that was done in pretty much one draft, which was awesome. Um, let's see, my favorite moment from the production, I would say, is adding the final touches to the Bummer Woman design and just kind of seeing her come to life. Um, because before that, you know, she's a bunch of images of people that I find online and, you know, just kind of in the abstract when I'm talking to Sophie and Sophia. And uh, so putting on like the shadows on her face and, um, you know, the, the crying animation that I did for the, li for the live stream uh, was really cool. And then I'd say what I learned, um, this was my first public facing project that I did using Procreate, um, which is just the most amazing, intuitive, wonderful, powerful software. I'm never going back to trying to do something like this without it. Um, and just getting to like, actually understand how um, that production process works was was super awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you to Sophie and Sophia for having me. So overall, we had a good turnout. I was incredibly happy with the result. I thought it was such an amazing show, not to toot our own horn, but it was an amazing show because of our team. 
So shout out to them. Truly incredible. Everyone that attended gave us good feedback, including our professors, which was so special because they really taught us everything we know. And I personally, and I'm sure this applies to Sophie too, I connected and met with a lot of people that I wouldn't have met otherwise, especially during COVID, which was super special. And I feel like I left Bummerfest with a lot of friends, as cheesy as that is. So I think Sophie has some numbers for (laughs) us on the final result. How did we do? Yes. So we ended up selling 152 tickets to Bummerfest, as well as 40 tickets to our after party segment. So um, that was really cool and exciting. That is, you know, great number in my mind. Um, We also gave out free tickets to our artists, band members, some professors, people who worked on the production side. So our estimated total audience was probably a little over 200 people right around there somewhere. And we also sold 75 pieces of merch from our merch line, which is a really exciting number. Um, So, yeah, I think those numbers definitely show that it was a successful event. That was a great turnout for us. Um, You know, the first completely independent event we've done on our own. Um, And I would agree with Sophia. I think it just turned out, you know, of an incredible quality. Thank you. Thanks to our production team. It's something I'm so proud of. Um, We definitely worked really hard and it almost killed us, but that's okay. Sophie and I (laughs) were literally on Zoom together every single day for like two months straight. Yes, but you know, wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) Um, And I do agree. It was a great opportunity to meet people, um, to build connections with people in the program who I, you know, had just been looking forward to meeting and had heard of, but never had the opportunity to work with. So overall, um, it was an awesome opportunity and experience and show, in my opinion. And Last but not least, we're both going to touch quickly on what we learned from the show. And I would say I have two main takeaways. And the first would be to be extra careful and tight on the budget. Um, I think we did not go in with that mindset right off the bat. We were planning on having a little more sponsorship funding that ended up falling through. And so, you know, we did struggle to make ends meet. Um, And so I think, (laughs) yeah, rip. Um, I think knowing that now, if we had gone back and, you know, to the beginning and just looked at our purchases with a little more, um, I guess just looking at them a little more critically and being a little bit more careful, that probably would have been helpful financially. And then the last thing I have is that I think the time that we booked the venue for was a little bit short. Um, This was another area where we were trying to save money and the venue was not cheap. So, um, you know, we didn't have the means to book tons and tons of time, but I do think we pushed it a little bit and um, it just ended up being a little stressful. We ended up going a little bit over. So going back and doing this again, I would definitely be a little bit more um, just accommodating on the venue time, book a little extra space to make sure that we didn't have that happen again. Yes. Um, Thank you to everyone who really hustled with us as we were trying to get out on time. We appreciate you. I learned that film is incredibly difficult and a lot of work and a lot of money. And I love our film team to the moon and back for all the work they did. And I never want to produce a feature length um, anything ever again. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was a great, great takeaway. It was a great experience, great experience, but like absolutely so much work. So shout out to them. The other thing I learned is just that I really miss live music. I was thinking back on it. It was the first time I'd see and seen anyone perform live in about a year. And it was just such an incredible experience. We were all six feet apart, but still it felt like, you know, we were back in those like tiny rooms uh, listening to music. It was an incredible experience. And so I'm really grateful to have been able to do that. And I hope that watching Bummerfest at home gave you guys a little bit of that feeling because it was awesome. And I just want to end with an immense thank you to everyone involved. Yeah, we learned a lot, uh, but... It was a great experience. So thank you. Thank you to everyone. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Sophia.Productions and please go rate, download, and follow wherever you get your podcasts.